Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss the uh, February 1983 issue of X-Men, number 166, on sale November 9th of 1982. The cover price is now a dollar because this is a double-sized issue, and it is Live Free or Die. Freedom, freedom. Freedom, 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 sometimes I feel like a motherless child, sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Yeah, man, there, this is, oh my gosh, you can just tell by looking at this cover. There are X-Men fighting Brood, and Brood chewing on X-Men, and Kitty Pride shooting a gun, and Lander's got a lightsaber. At the Spider-Man head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I really like, I didn't even notice this until just now, but there is a Brood curled up around Wolverine, kind of hanging on like a little baby, but then chewing on his shoulder. Yeah, I see that. And I'm almost wondering if Wolverine's like, oh, look at this cute little guy. He's hungry. I almost hate to slice him up. <laughs> and then you got another brood who's chomping out, uh, chomping away on Colossus. The Nightcrawler pose makes no sense. Like, did he just, is he, or maybe he's teleporting around the room to make the brood sick. Okay, that makes sense. Sure, sure. Although it, I mean, I don't know why Colossus is, has like death grip hands. Gyarg! Uh Nightcrawler looks like he's missing his legs. So is he like mid teleport here? Yes, we can't see the other half of him. Okay, you rarely see him uh, drawn that way. And yes, as you mentioned, Lelandra has a lightsaber, and uh, Kitty has a giant X on her forehead. And also a blow dryer, which shoots pink cotton candy. Well, Adam, astute viewers or readers of the comic book would recognize that as a brood gun. I'm not sure why it's shaped (laughs) like that, since the brood don't have fingers. They kind of have little, what, talons? She is blow drying the brood's hair. You can see his mouth in the uh, lower left-hand corner. Yeah. It's like, ah, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, that, I like that little mouth down there. It seems like it was kind of a half-hearted attempt to draw a brood, and you're like, yeah, let's just stick that behind the UPC. <laughs> yeah, and Cyclops is facing the wrong direction, as usual, shooting at a brood. Where's the cover? <laughs> is the cover over here? Well, it must be I'm the leader. I bet it looks really good from this angle. Let's open this thing up, uh, and... In true double-sized X-Men fashion, we start off with a lot of exposition. Exposition. <laughs> yeah. This is the brood home world, and it's kind of like a dome-like, I don't know. Don't they say that, like, the atmosphere is frozen and melted? They found this planet, and they colonized it, built up all these structures on it, and they... So the brood have little flappy wings? I don't know. I mean, it looks like in this one dome there are brood with flappy wings. I I know they've flown in previous issues, but I don't remember if they have little flappy wings. Oh, well. 
I think they only fly or have flappy wings when it's convenient or mm. or maybe there's a particular strain of brood that have wings but anyhow they they prey on the Akanti, right which we met last issue those flying starships that they brainwash and they've well, re- we met them a while ago but now now we know more about them we're getting some backstory on the Akanti Akanti however you want to pronounce it and they have this thing called the slaver virus which they uh they infect the Akanti with and they go brain dead essentially. And they've caught one recently, and something in the distance explodes like a star, like a binary star. Look, slave master. <laughs> it's hunt master and slave master. They no longer have cool little brood names. Takreel. What was a Skirkel. And slave master. So how could you forget Skirkel? I know. So is our favorite. in a double page splash, Binary shows up and she does a crazy explosion riddled flyover of some kind. Which I don't really understand what's going on. It's just a double page spread. So that Paul Smith, the penciler, can show off his mighty pencils. Bob Wiasek can show off his fantastic inks. Tom Orzachowski, he gets a little chance to let it, uh, letter. Glennis Ween. Well, she gets to provide some of the colors. Louise Jones edits. Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. And, of course, providing that all-important script, Chris Claremont. Well, yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, this is binary. She shows up. And she's got, like, a flame head and everything. I like the right half of this double-page spread. I just don't know what's going on in the left half. The left Looks half? Like she's flying through buildings or something. I don't know. The script that— I can't, I can't even tell where her path is. It's like she's bouncing off of these domes uh, that the brood have created for themselves, but I don't know why. It's got a kind of a pinball vibe. Yeah. Well, it is the early 80s. Her name is Binary, and in a very real sense, she is one with the universe linked body and soul to a white hole with access to its virtually limitless power. Like a star, she can generate heat, light, gravity, energy in all its myriad forms. Now I never realized that until that. Uh, so that's that's now I kind of get binary. That all it took was one one caption. <laughs> yeah, words help. So she, do. she flies in and she's mad. I mean, the last time we saw her, she was busting holes through the hulls of the the spaceships that the X Men were in because she was in, infected with one of the brood uh, eggs. And so in the next page, she is. I guess attacking the brood. Uh, there's not very many words, which is fine, but it is not really in Chris Claremont um, fashion to have these wordless panels here. So I almost don't know what to think or what's going on, Adam. <laughs> well, she, he put all the words on the first couple of panels, and my guess is that they were supposed to go throughout these few pages, but uh, they got cut up differently. Tom Orzachowski's like, Ugh. I got a better place for these words. <laughs> no, I guess the Chris Claremont, you know, learning to be economical. He's he's probably done that before, and you know, it's, it's all, good. I like this. You know, it's, it's, she she does a lot of damage. It's also a double double sized issue, right? So they're really, I think they're really just kind of spreading it thin. <laughs> Do you think he wrote a single sized issue, and then they were like? Okay, we got to turn this into we got to turn the single sized script into a double sized issue. Go. 
I don't know. And is this, did it say on the front, is this like a 20th anniversary or is this just, hey, the end of the Brood Saga, let's do a double-sized issue? Because it's issue 166. Hey, I don't think it's an anniversary, but. It's not even like a milestone issue. Maybe. Maybe they just do a yearly double-sized issue because they're super popular right now. It would be the 70th issue that Chris Claremont had written, if that means anything. Mm, doesn't sound like it does. Actually, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm wrong about that. It would have been the 72nd, right? Because they started on 94. This is 66. So that doesn't even work. <laughs> I don't know. How many issues has it been since the last double-sized issue? How many annuals have there been? Because maybe he's written 75 total issues. Has there been three annuals? Um, or only two. I remember Archon and something about the Fantastic Four. Did we do Dracula yet? Or was mm. that the issue? That was just the issue. Nope. Nope. I don't know, Adam. Well, anyways, Binary shows up and uh, she, she has taken care of the brood that have been harassing this poor Akanti. And he looks up to it and he's like, be patient, old duffer. I'll have you off those barbs and on your way in a jiffy. But the, Why is she Moira McTaggart all of a sudden? That's kind of a cross between Moira and Storm, because I don't really know how binary would sound. She sounds like Carol Danvers, but really, really hot. Yeah, I don't know how Carol Danvers would sound. Hey, be she's patient. She's on fire, so she's she's probably really in a lot of pain. Be patient, hold of her! I'll have your awful spot! No, I can't. <laughs> Why do my powers hurt me so? Well, it turns out that the Akanti Akanti is too far gone, and the only thing that he can really muster out in a telepathic thought is kill me, in so many words. They communicate in song. Gersh! That's not a bad binary voice. I can go with that. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of like, I don't know, Marge Simpson or something, but a really bad Marge Simpson. It sounds like it hurts. Actually, it doesn't. It's quite comfortable. <laughs> oh, nice. So Carol destroys the poor Akanti. That's another life the brood owes me. What I was helpless to save as I was with the X-Men and myself. Which is kind of misleading. Right. Although I guess she's talking about the brood. Yeah. So They already had a death sentence. Like the worst that Carol did was just kind of accelerate that death. Right. <laughs> All I've done since I since is what I did before. Fight, kill, survive. There's no joy in me anymore. Only grief and hate. The brood helped me make me what I am. It's a mistake they'll live to regret. So she's zipping around space. Binary! <laughs> and Storm appears out of nowhere and says, Going my way? Storm? <laughs> Yep, she's like, well, I'm not really here, but I'm kind of here, stuff and junk. Uh, I kind of killed myself, but not really. So it turns out that what happened is a baby Akanti with a strong will flew by and, and saw a storm and said... I need somebody to help me out and I can help you out. And um, and so they're kind of, they have some sort of, you know, symbiotic relationship, if you will. Yeah. So there's a cocoon kind of off in the side of the Akanti's mouth where Storm's 
body kind of is. Storm mentions that the X Men are ticked off. <laughs> and we Not sh- really. We sh- she says they're eager to see you. And she's, I'll bet they are, considering how we parted. I didn't mean to blast out through the hole. I was kind of crazy. And by the time I recovered my senses, I was too far gone from the ship. I felt really lousy. I didn't even go to search for you. I just figured you were dead. <laughs> yeah. And so also in the mouth of the Sikanti is uh, Lilandra's yacht. So everybody is here. Hooray. The, yeah, the band is back together. Yeah. So they go inside of the yacht, which is inside of the Akanti, and they're all like, hey. We had some pretty hairy moments thanks to you, Carol. Yeah, nothing like an explosive decompression to really liven up the day. (laughs) Uh, Next time I'll be more careful. Gotta go! (laughs) (laughs) Ah, decompression! And take the suspense and fun out of our lives? Perish the thought. So they're all just making a funny joke about that horrible situation they were just in like two hours ago. And Kitty's got leggings. She does. It's very 80s. (laughs) She's got kind of like an aerobic workout suit, like a half shirt that's tied up and then leggings. It's really weird. I am totally ready to work out, guys. Let's get physical, everyone. I want to get physical. Let's get into physical. You don't know what that means. Huh? (laughs) (laughs) It's about working out, right? Kitty's like, I don't know why everyone's telling jokes, especially me and my physical song, but we've been murdered. We all carry embryos in us. We're going to turn into sleezoids. She says they're queen embryos. When did they figure out that they were all queens? How do they know this? I don't, did Wolverine tell them? Maybe he overheard it. He knew that he was uh, infected with a queen embryo. I don't know. Maybe he overheard it. It's been so long, I can't remember. <laughs> Regardless. Um, so yeah, Colossus takes a more serious tone. Just right, my friends. What are we going to do? Sometimes only the only way to cope is by laughing. Maybe we can't stop these transformations set by dying, but we can make sure the Sleezoids never pull this stunt with anybody else. So Cyclops is like, yeah, you keep talking about this. Maybe maybe we should do a suicide attack in the brood homeworld. I mean, we had our chance two issues ago, but I sabotaged that. Maybe we should do it now. <laughs> and uh, Storm says, you know, let, don't even bother, because, like, uh, let, me, let me tell you a little story. Here's what we really need to do. A chance to return to our heritage and our ideals to save lives rather than wantonly destroy them. Then she tells this story about the Akanti and how they were uh, they were discovered by the Brood, and the Brood managed to take over them. And the first one they took over was the Prophet Singer, was which is some sort of leader and uh, caretaker of the soul of the race of Akanti. The soul being some sort of special thing that. I don't know, the Akanti, he, he maintains, somehow he has the soul of all of the Akanti. Let, let's I just, don't really relate it to our, like, terminology of what a soul is, but. Let's just call it random plot device and move on. Okay. <laughs> the soul is random plot device, and Prophet Singer has it. Yeah, what was the random plot device in Transformers? The uh, the Matrix, right? Well, there was the, it was the Matrix in the. No, 
yeah, in, the Matrix in the cartoon. But what was it in the in the movies? Like the live the action movies? Live action ones. Oh, yeah. those, I don't count those movies, Adam. The only Transformers movies that exists to me is, well, you know, Transformers the movie. Well, they renamed it though. What was it? It was, it became the Matrix to something. Oh, well, I don't know. It, it had, I feel like it was, it was some cheesy name. It was Just like Adam, it was the All Spark. <laughs> right. Okay. Yes. The All Spark. That's why I don't. You knew that all, <laughs> didn't you? I did. Those are not real Transformer movies. <laughs> Only the animated one exists to me. Don't get me wrong. Those other movies that well, they put Transformers on, those are entertaining to watch, but they're not Transformer movies. I mean, you watch it. You don't know who's who. You don't know who is hitting who. You really don't know what's going on at all. <laughs> exactly. You just hear lots of loud clanging and clashing, and you're like, Optimus Prime is in there somewhere. I just don't know which one he is. Is he dead again? <laughs> Damn it. Why do they keep killing him? Um. So... Uh, it's, it turns out that the one that rescued Storm from her uh, suicide was a baby who is going to be the next, uh, what do they call it? Prophet Soul singer. singer or something. Prophet singer. Prophet singer. And um, the other Akanti bonded uh, the baby and Storm together so that Storm could help her, uh, could, Storm could help the baby with a kind of with some awareness and conscious direction and the baby would return storm's body to health which is you know pretty nice yeah i mean deal we kind of butchered this whole akanti uh origin story and it's actually i think it's actually kind of well written it's kind of science fictiony uh uh so it's definitely worth checking out just to read the dialogue that goes along with it and the history and the backstory that was created the spaciness of storm and and the akanti becoming symbiote relationship to help one another i don't know kind of goes a little far for me but i, I didn't write it so. is uh have the akanti ever come back i wonder if they've shown up in any of those weird space epics i'm i don't know i don't th- i i bet you they have but not not in yeah. anything i've read yeah me either so anyways, um, so yeah, she finishes off her story. So she, rather than just destroying the brood, she says, why don't we save the new prophet singer? Um, and that would be a good thing to do. Yeah. And everybody's like, okay. <laughs> um, but they do decide that they're going to like do both plans. Well, the, they have to save the soul and bring the soul to the the baby. And it turns out the soul happens to be in Brood Central, so they have to go right back to uh, the the base where Wolverine was running around in because that was the body of the old prophet singer. Got it. Okay. So that's how all these stories tie together. Yeah. Yep. So they're heading back to the Brood home world, um, and they are going to divvy up into teams. But I like this panel of uh, Cyclops pointing at people. Wolverine's not quite trusting everybody, and he wants to be around, uh, since he's not infected, he wants to be around people that um, he could kill if they turn on them. But Cyclops isn't having it. He's like, if you don't trust us, why don't you kill us now? That way, neither you nor anyone will have anything to fear. Wolverine thinks to himself, his arms are really short in this panel. (laughs) (laughs) They are. This is the moment I've been waiting for and dreading. I can't save them. I swore I'd see them dead before I'd allow their metamorphosis into sleezoids. Each second of delay increases the risk that I'll fail. 
So why do I hesitate? They're my friends. Well, mister, what'll it be? So he draws his claws and Kitty jumps in and says, no, stop it, both of you. Stop it. Cyclops is like, stand aside, Kitty. The little man knows what to do. Come on, Wolverine. Shut up, Scott. That's crazy. I don't know what's wrong with you two, but we're a family. So knock it off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, I mean, Wolverine's kind of being Wolverine-ish, but Cyclops is flying a little off the handle here. I mean, he's he's kind of egging Wolverine on a little bit, but he's not really r- r- uh, falling back on his uh, logical leadership skills. All right. And then, you know, as soon as the crisis is averted, he says... Objection noted and overruled, Wolverine. We'll use my plans. Booyah. Right. We are not going to split up so that you can kill the person that you think is infected. We're going to do it. Oh, and by the way, sorry, Aurora, for usurping your role as team leader. You really, you're not really here, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> you really haven't been the team leader since I got back after leaving Lee Forrester. Now have you? No, that's fine. I mean, she just got a point. Like, she's kind of like a... I don't know if she's, like... It looks like Cyclops is touching her, but she's got, like, wavy lines on her. So I don't know if she's, like, an astral projection, if she's, like, uh, somewhat uh, physical, or what's going on with her. Let's get physical! (laughs) Come on, Aurora! Kitty. (laughs) Yeah, so I thought she was kind of hologramish, but... Or spectral projectiony, but I guess not if they're touching her. She says, "My human body is still in critical condition; it might not survive the strain." But I don't know if what we are looking at is her physical body, or if this is like a physical representation of her body that's actually in that uh, little pupa thing that's in the Acanti's mouth. It's all very confusing to me. Yeah, that's what I assumed. But yeah, the, the fact that Cyclops is touching her throws that all out of whack. Tell me, can you utilize your weather powers in this? The canty form? I, I believe so. so, but there is considerable risk. My human body is still in critical condition. It might not survive the strain. So he's like, well, you know, if worse comes to worse, I might need you to use those abilities. Okay. She says she can't. Whatever the cost, I will do what must be done. Right. So off they go the next day. And that's important because Kitty gets a new outfit. <laughs> But before that happens, uh, they they zoom There's in. There's a base chase. They, yes, there. Well, it's yeah, yes, it's very Empire Strikes Back uh, um, inspired, I believe, because it's like their spaceships. Well, yeah. I don't know. It's like their spaceships are grazing. Like on that asteroid scene of Empire Strikes Back, it just kind of reminds me of that. Even though there's no giant worm and no giant hole, but it just kind of looks like that to me. Dun 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. That's exactly what's playing through. Uh, and so, <laughs> what are we? Planet of the Apes now? <laughs> no, I'm still doing start. I, I think I'm doing the wrong one though. <laughs> okay. So I'm trying to figure out like no, the uh, the Empire Strikes Back one was. I don't remember that riff. <laughs> it's the asteroid. Chase. Are you sure? I'm positive. Okay. <laughs> I've listened to those soundtracks so much. Wow. <laughs> so many hours of my life stolen by John Williams' sublime instrumentations. 
I, I can honestly say that I've never listened to any of those instrumental or orchestral soundtracks. They're good. I, you know, I mean, I, I shouldn't say I've never listened to it. I've never owned one or been in my own house, but I've been over at other people's house who are like, who wants to listen to the Terminator 2 soundtrack? And you're like, really? <laughs> and then you got a bunch of people that are like, oh, yeah, put that on. And, you know, 20 minutes of dun, 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 dun. You're like, all right. I, <laughs> I know. All right. This is great. I'll be back. <laughs> nope. No vocals. Just, just the that remix. music. Yes. The Techno House remix. So again, I'm not really sure what I'll be I'll be I'll be back. Do, 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 do. <laughs> wow, you you are onto something there. So again, I'm not really sure what's going on here. In the first panel, it's kind of nothing is going on. In the second panel, it's like a two-page stretchy panel. There's like three ships, four, five, six ships. One of them kind of looks like Lilandra's uh yacht. One of them looks like a shark. And then you've got the Acanti, and then you've got like a flying saucer. So Adam, do you know what's going on here? Like, whose ship is whose? Yeah, the the Akanti is the Akanti, and um, oh, you missed a ship. There's a there's a little mini shark uh, down by the Akanti fin. Oh yeah, so there's two little sharks. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, the Akanti is the Akanti, and all the rest of the ships are the brood. Oh, even and, the one that does look like Lalandra's. And in, um, an interceptor. There's one thing that is missing in this page is. Sound effects, which I imagine are. An interceptor squadron, a mix, as are all brood units of inorganic and organic vehicles, immediately gives chase. But it's futile effort. They can match neither the infant's speed nor his agility. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and so the Akanti he's flying right towards like one of the city bubble things but right before he hits the bubble he does a 90 degree turn upward and i don't know they don't really get to see what happened to the brood ships you you'd think that they fly into it but we don't get to see that yeah well yeah there's no explosions so they they remaneuver and they they lose the baby is basically what we're getting at it would have been cool though to see that. All br- like, yeah. <laughs> it would have been cool to see the brood flying into that glass dome and a big explosion and Oh my god, Skirkle, they're here! Huntmaster! Go get Slave Master! <laughs> Where is Beastmaster? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we put him on Eternia, don't you remember? <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That was a bad move. Somebody get Skeletor. <laughs> So, I don't know, is Storm flying the Akanti? Because she seems to be in the captain's chair. Uh, no, I think they're in uh, Lalandra's ship. Oh. She says she received the approval of the Akanti elders before agreeing to Scott's plan. So, that's she should have called some Akanti to be like, hey, man, we could use some help here. Well, the, the Akanti, are, you know, they're helping. They're, they're, they're around. They're the ones that brought the baby and Storm together, so they're they're here. Okay, I just don't know where they are. Well, Lilandra orders everybody to the transporter room, so they go. It's time to go, she says. Instead of it's go time, which would have been much more catchy. You heard the Empress people. Move out. Relax, bub. We know what to do. We're X Men. We're the best we are at what we do, but what we do isn't very nice. I'm Wolverine. <laughs> so they head off to the transporter room. Lilandra's at the controls. 
Have you checked your calculations, Lelandra? Accuracy is essential. The slightest error could materialize us inside the planet or hundreds of feet up in the air. And everyone's kind of like, dude, Cyclops, Lelandra knows what she's doing. Yeah, seriously, how many times have you used teleporter Cyclops and how many times has, like, you're just quoting Star Trek at this point. I saw an episode of Star Trek once and I am trying to be a smart. I like bones. <laughs> So they get onto the transporter, and they get, uh, Kitty says, Energize, Scotty, beam us down! Cyclops is not amused. Huh? What'd you say, Kitty? But she giggles. <laughs> yes. And uh, Kitty's like, it's no time for joking, as I said earlier. <laughs> Even though I'm making a joke. Not sure why. <laughs> not sure why Nightcrawler needs to be taking a dump on his beam down. <laughs> that is a good question. I've always wanted just to gotta squeeze one out. Gonna see if I can leave it on the uh, transporter deck. <laughs> I've always wanted to see how this works. Uh, so the Conti takes off, and I guess a bunch of brood ships come and try to get the Acanti guy. Yes. Okay. It's a distraction. It's a trap. It's a trap. Meanwhile, it's Carol. I guess we don't know yet. On the brood okay. planet, the brood queen is there. Uh, Shipmaster is there, so that's good. I have Shipmaster. <laughs> it is Prophet Singer. Enslave it, and all the Akanti will truly be unbreakable. I want to take it alive and unharmed. As a suffer, so shall you. That's the queen. <laughs> Why is the queen Nightcrawler all of a sudden? Well, he's like a softer version of Nightcrawler. I what happened know. to your old voice? Um, I don't remember my old voice. <laughs> was like, Majesty, beware, you are being deceived. Oh. Something like that. I don't know, man. I changed it up for the queen. <laughs> the X-Men have descended to the planetary surface below the throne city in an attempt to free the star singer's soul. None of them can monitor my telepathic comlink with you. And they remain unaware that my transformation has begun. Oh, this is this is somebody tell, uh, talking to the queen through the X-Men. <gasps> oh my gosh, wait a minute. There's a there's an insider? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's an insider brood inside one of the X-Men telepathically talking to the queen. But there's a brood in all of the X-Men my except for Wolverine. has begun. They still believe me to be their trusted comrade. Shall I slay them before they suspect? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're your sisters. <laughs> oh, yes, I forgot. Rats, I really wanted to murder somebody. Huntmaster, assemble a commando force. The finest warrior's prime it's in the command world. Master. <laughs> Make sure you also get Warrior Master and Broodmaster. <laughs> and Shoot Master and Kill Master. And Master Master. Majesty, the X-Men are in the catacombs. We better get Catacomb Master. <laughs> uh, really isn't fun. Says, all right, so just don't hurt those X-Men. Uh, they're your sisters. I offer a choice, Huntmaster. Face their wrath or mine. <laughs> or I'll even summon the Wrathmaster. <laughs> <laughs> so they're on the brood surface, all of the X-Men together, and they start looking around. Um Wolverine says that Storm telepathically keyed him into the soul's scent or um, plot device's scent. So his enhanced senses are already looking for it. Cyclops is still pushing Wolverine's buttons. He's trying to get, I don't know, 
he's acting all weird. Cold feet. Cold feet, Wolverine. I didn't think anything could spook you. You want to make smart remarks, bub? Wait till we've met the opposition. Okay. So, the meanwhile, at that moment out in space, uh, the brood are catching up to the Akanti, uh, and they're scanning the Akanti, uh, when all of a sudden a new contact is made, moving between them and the Akanti. I identify! <laughs> Battle screens to maximum strength, weapon here. Or Weapon Master, as I like to call you. Blast it out of space! Well, we'll need Scan Master to find it and Blast Master to shoot it. <laughs> and we need Fly Master to fly the ship. What is that out there? Oh, no, that's Ship Master. <laughs> well, ship, they have Ship Master. <laughs> fly Master. Uh, it, it turns out that it's binary. The orders come too late, as does the realization that this time the brood are not hunters or hunter masters, but prey or prey masters. Binary draws first blood. Oh, Rainbow. my lord, it's binary master. <laughs> <laughs> so she shoots the crap out of the Akanti spaceship. Well, the brood Akanti yeah, I guess spaceship. She destroyed the ship. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, Storm thinks to herself, all them brood. Carol was a trained as a warrior, as were Wolverine and Lilandra. Killing is a fact of their lives in the reality. To me, though, it is... I don't know what this word means, Adam. Anathema. Anathema, which means... Bad. Uh, bad. Okay. <laughs> I'm willing to go with that. I don't like it. Um, I hate the brood with every fiber of my being, yet I still... I must find it another way. So she doesn't accept that the brood all have to die. Let's see what happens here. She goes blind with pain, senses an awful tearing deep within as her still healing human body is pushed far beyond its limits, yet she does not relent at her command. Lightning flares star bright in the darkness to stun a brood ship and all aboard. So they're just stunned. That's okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, inside the uh, brood home planet, the X-Men are fighting all matter of crazy creatures uh, one of which is a brood, another one's like a giant slug, and another thing's like a flying dragon thing. Yeah, they're kind of interesting, Yeah, I guess. They're all over the place. When all of a sudden, like, some... Can he fight some sort of tongue with tentacles? Yeah, it's like a, like a pseudopod thing that just reaches out and sucks her in. It's kind of gross. But she, she uses her phasing powers as it pushes her through the wall. Um, Wolf, the Wolverine, uh, notices that, uh, things just aren't quite right between him and Cyclops. What gives? He and I are sniping like we did in the old days when we hated each other's guts. And talk about role reversal, I'm supposed to be the psycho killer and him the boss, but he's scrapping like a berserker and leaving me to call the shots. Psycho killer. Qu'est-ce que <laughs> Oh, I should have joined the talking heads. Kitty, uh, phases through the wall and into what looks like a nest uh, with broken eggs and near the broken eggs are a whole bunch of shiny picked to the bone brood bones she's like oh my god these look like recent kills so she is like I gotta get out of here and so she 
She does. She uses her phasing power to literally walk on air. Kitty heads for the nearest exit, being unaware, blissfully unaware that she is being watched and followed. Is this the first time that Kitty has literally walked on air? No. Okay. I was wondering. I, I don't no, think it's... She did, she, she did it in the danger room before. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Meanwhile, Binary's in space, and now she's getting shot at by brood spaceships. And it looks she's like... She's stunned! And it looks like a couple of the ships are practicing their rodeo lassoing because they throw out some ropes and capture her. Get ineffective, master. <laughs> we need rodeo master and lasso master. <laughs> and so she's kind of tied up. Yeah. Carol is uh, neutralized. <laughs> Carol is neutralized. Oh, and, and then everything seems hopeless, Adam. Like down on the planet, the X-Men are being beaten. Carol's being beaten. The poor little Acanti's being shot at. When out from nowhere comes. We get a little a caption inside of a spaceship. Someone says, Dost thou recognize yon energy patterns, Christopher? Adam, I wanted you to skip all of that and just sing the damn song. <laughs> I certainly do. Alert the others, Raza. Tell them I think our quest is nearly over. Why, Jeremy, it's Star Jammers. Jamming across the universe, Star Jammers. Oh, that was uh, quite the build-up for such a letdown. <laughs> well, I knew it wasn't going to go well, so I figured I might as well make it last. The great starship, manned by a crew of interstellar freebooters, has been searching for the X-Men for weeks. True to form, they've arrived in the proverbial nick of time. Oh, yeah. Star jammers arriving at the nick of time. <laughs> Ah, it's always a party when the Star Jammers show up. It's always a party. <laughs> uh, haven't we requested somebody record that song for us yet? I'm giving, I'm supplying more lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> Just somebody needs to put some drum and guitar behind that, and we're good. We've got a song. Jammers. That was pretty bad. There, just loop that. Back to the story. Oh. Wolverine has caught himself what looks to be a chicken with big spider legs. Wow, that's not what I see at all. <laughs> oh, what do you see? Looks to me like it's a, it's like a bed bug or something. It's like a giant bed bug it, or maybe a pill bug. It looks like one of the head crabs from um, Half-Life, if you're familiar with that game. But it's got six legs instead of four. I am not. Oh, it's a good game. You should play it. Which is basically just a face hugger. But this doesn't really look like a face. This doesn't look like a face hugger at all. Right. Anyways, uh, yeah, chicken or a face hugger. I mean, a head crab. You choose. Which came first, the chicken or the face hugger? <laughs> head crab. <laughs> so Wolverine's a little worried about Kitty, and Cyclops is like, she knew the risks and accepted them. But if you are so concerned, Wolverine, why don't you go look for her? Mm, I wish I could, bub. What's going on with Cyclops? He's uh he's forgotten how to use his optic blasts. His instincts are gone. If I could only catch his scent, that'd clinch my suspicions. Bingo! Wolverine, what are you doing, you madman? I am not the enemy. Wrong, bub. I've been worrying since we started about a traitor in the group. And I think I just found one. 
and he Wolverine, Wolverine rips off Cyclops's goggles, and underneath Cyclops has brood eyeballs. <laughs> it's kind of freaky. Wait, the brood. Did the brood even have eyeballs? Oh, yeah, I guess they do. They do. Actually, uh, earlier in this issue, these type of eyes are accentuated in a couple of the broods. So, yeah. Cyclops is like... <laughs> he's ter- he's brooding out, everybody. And so he starts shooting. He shoots Colossus and Wolverine with his big old brood optic eye beam balls. Well, with eyeballs, he's able to shoot two optic blasts at once, and he does, which is... It's pretty cool. Not o- Wolverine and Colossus. Not only that, Lilandra, who I totally forgot was on the planet's surface, has pointed out his metamorphosis has given him voluntary control over his optic blast and a much wider arc of fire. Hey, wait a minute. If she transported the X, if she transported the X Men down to the surface, who transported her down to the surface? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't think they cover that. Hmm. Ship must be on autopilot or something. Oh yeah, no, yeah, it is because she's she sets up the thing and then she runs over to the transporter and she does clearly beam down. Really? Okay. So it must be automated. Okay. Well, she's got a lightsaber too, which is pretty sweet, but she never uses it. It's totally disappointing. She's all Star Trek and Star Wars combined. Colossus and Wolverine are out of action. Use your teleport ability to keep him occupied, Nightcrawler. I and my energy sword will do the rest. No, Majestrix. My energy sword. I am afraid you won't. I am anti-energy I'm going sword to get master. master down here. <laughs> Trademark master is going to be so angry with you. He's going to find lawyer master. <laughs> Zap. And now the X-Men and Lilandra are defeated and one big-ass brood comes in from behind Cyclops. It's the queen. Now, I knew the queen was big, but I didn't realize the queen was this big. The queen is huge. Ever since Wolverine almost uh, killed her, she's had a bit of an eating problem. (laughs) I'm so depressed. Someone get Chef Master. I'm hungry. (laughs) Where's Cake Master? (laughs) I need sweets, stat. So now the only one that's left is uh, Kitty. And uh, Wolver- or Cyclops now, who's under the complete brood control, is like, uh, well, Wolverine's implant was destroyed. Should we destroy him? And the queen is like, no, I want to see him suffer. I will eat him <laughs> while he watches me eat him. And because you helped, you can help. You can share in the feast. Groovy. <laughs> Hunt master, prepare the prisoners for transport, master. As soon as we recapture the youngling <laughs> kitty... We listen to the royal hive. Have hive master prepare it. <laughs> Speaking of kitty, so she's running down the uh, hive hallways, brood or shooting at her, but she's phased and she trips and she falls and she's like, oh my God, the sleeves are, this is it. It's all over. When all of a sudden. How do you trip and fall if you're phasing? I don't know. She got, well, she says like, uh. Yeah, she says, I couldn't, I couldn't phase. I must be tired. I can't focus the proper concentration. So she's used up oh, all of so her. She tripped because she came out of phasing. Okay. Yeah. She used up all her mana, Adam. <laughs> Understood. And then from nowhere off panel, the brood are like, by the black nebula. And a giant. Yes, the brood that were following her think they got her, but it turns out that no. 
a giant dragon shows up and goes, Roar! And shoots fire at the brood, and the brood are all baked up. Flee, brothers! Oh no, we're dead. Kitty looks up, and the giant dragon is a cute little dragon with little wings and goes, Flap, 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 flap. I don't believe this. Are you for real? Are you friendly? You must be. I'm still alive. And a jerky brood from around the corner uh, shoots at this little dragon dude. And it or Kitty, either one of them, goes, yikes. <laughs> no, that's the sound of the blaster. It's a yikes blaster. <laughs> yikes! 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 <laughs> well, that's a weird sound for a blaster. Um, Yeah, not much to say about this dragon. He's purple. He's got a yellow belly. We'll be seeing much of him later. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> that blaster shot punched a hole through the wall into some kind of cavern. It's so bright in there, so beautiful. It's And she and the dragon and the brood all start walking to it as though blindly compelled. And they all walk into the light and the brood is talking about how it burns and he goes anyway. It burns, it burns, like a burning ring of fire. <laughs> I'm going to fall into it. And something screams as they walk in. Meanwhile, not so far away, the X-Men are clamped up for some reason. Well, because they knew they were going to wake up and they want to make sure that uh, they get brutinized. <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, yeah. So Wolverine, uh, he's he's finishing his uh transformation mother make it stop it hurts uh endure daughter it's your host body resisting the metamorphosis my optic blasts they're out of control and so cyclops shoots the queen yes she he shoots her in the face it's weird how in this scene the beam kind of goes through the queen's head right like not a good drawing uh, Wolverine points out that Sleezoids don't have eyelids. Scott can't block the beams now, uh, except with his hands, because apparently since the transformation is decompleting, he's lost the ability. Whatever. So he jumps up in front of the optic beam for some reason. Wolverine, I've killed him. Turns out this was all nah. part of a plan. <laughs> I moved so a glancing blow from those beams as Sykes would trash, trash my shackles. If I'd caught a full blast, I'd be nothing but pulp and adamantium bones. Even though Wolverine, we revealed that Cyclopsis is a force blast and it would have just really pushed me back. But, you know, whatever. Plot device. It was all a long shot. A gambit, even. <laughs> and it paid off. Gotta move fast. He's getting things back under control. Uh, so he punches Cyclops across the face. Crack. Wish I could put him out of misery. Warriors yield or I'll pop my claws on the queen and Cyclops both. What shall we do, Huntmaster? Burn the mammal, Burnmaster. <laughs> <laughs> we dare not. Drop the weapons, creeps, or she dies. So they all drop their weapons and he... Wolverine orders them to release the X-Men, which they they don't do because uh, they are surprised by a flashing light that, I don't know, shines no, they do through release the catacombs. The X-Men, and then they, they put the shackle on Cyclops. Oh, okay, I see that. Oh, okay, right. This is kind of a weird jump because 
they go right from like untie or release the X Men to, um, uh, and now we're just down the catacombs a, a little while. And it's like a few minutes later. He doesn't even say that. The X-Men cover Cyclops' eyes with his visor when the shackles are used to bind the brood warriors who are then left behind as our heroes continue on through the catacombs until light at the end of the catacombs. I mean, like, come on. Couldn't there have been like, okay, I know where to go. Like, why are they even walking in this catacomb? They don't know what they're doing. No, Wolverine has the scent of the soul, as he pointed out earlier. So they're following Wolverine's lead. Okay. All right. Uh... He Wolverine smells Kitty's scent and a Sleezoids both heading into that cavern. And Kitty comes out of the soul or the plot device and says, don't worry about me. I'm all good. The soul judged the brood as, as it does all who behold it. And it found him wanting. Just like in uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah, she, he drank from the wrong cup. Yep. That that was the reference. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case it wasn't crystal clear. Or crystal skull. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> Anyways. Um, that movie never happened. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Although I, I actually didn't mind the whole 1950s when he's at the nuclear test zone and, and he gets blown up in the refrigerator. I know a lot of people complained about that scene. But to me, that was like, ah, oh, it's Indiana Jones. Like, that's what he, that's what would happen. The rest of the movie kind of sucked. I honestly like the whole first half of the movie. But then once they get into the jungle, I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Swinging with this, this, this compounds lameness on top of more and more lameness. So anyways, uh, Colossus is like, weren't you afraid? Kitty, I'm a uh, Kacha. I am proud of you. Are you kidding, Peter? Are you kidding? He's petrified. Put me down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that sounds like my favorite kitten. It is good to hear you laugh. Uh, so anyways. Oh, too. She... By the way, anyone see a little creed critter flying around here? Nope. Why? Oh, nothing important. And that's the last we see of the dragon. X-Men, you are of my flesh. Where you go, so shall I. That's weird. So they all go into the soul, Wait. and um, it's magical. Yeah, it's all crystally and stuff. I don't know. This this is why the way the wolf says Colossus for the first time inside of a soul. For me, this is where the story kind of goes off the rails because it's like, why is the queen just subservient now to the X Men? I think she's. My guess was that she was planning to sabotage. Like, she's still trying to get the upper hand, and so she feels like if she can manage, if she can stick around them, she might be able to get the upper hand, because these some of these X-Men still have brood in them. Mm-hmm. And so maybe she's just hoping, like, and, and she does. Like, she she attempts to get the upper hand. Like, she stabs Wolverine in the back. Like, once once they get inside the soul, it turns out that the brood still have a uh, effect on the soul, cause, casting out little, like, black ink sort of... And so do the X-Men that have Brood in them. And that's when the Brood Queen strikes, attacking, stabs Wolverine in the back, who then turns around and claws her tail fangs off. My own fault. Should never have turned my back on you or left your fangs intact. Won't make that mistake twice. Slice. And for when when Wolverine stands up, all of the other X-Men are now turning into Brood. So it would appear that... The X-Men lost. So maybe that's why she came along with them. 
I don't, maybe. This is what she was hoping for. I just, I get, I got very lost when they entered this whole soul thing. Nothing really makes sense, but. It's very cosmic and, you know, soul-tastic and (laughs) hippy-dippy. As they are consumed, so shall this Akanti soul be transformed with them. No longer will we have to hunt the star singers. They will serve us willingly because Akanti and Brick Brood will have become one. Our rules will spread across the stars. Our manifest destiny fulfilled. Wolverine says, want to bet? Pops his claws. First them, Queenie, then with my last breath, if need be you. So she's he's he's about to kill the X-Men that have turned into Brood. But instead, Carol shows up. Hooray! Whoa, son, let's not be too hasty. Carol, quit playing around, woman. Can't you see what's happening? Trust me, Logan, I know what I'm doing. You look awful, old it, friend. Feel worse. I don't know why I sound so old. <laughs> I'm not, not this old. So her plan is to get uh, Wolverine onto the Star Jammer and get Sikorsky to look at him. But uh, uh, she has been guided by Storm to do some sort of magical uh, binary blast, which the, somehow reconnects. To, to tell short, to make the story a little shorter, it reconnects the baby with the soul. Okay. I'm not sure how. <laughs> so maybe I could probably read through all this to figure it out, but it probably wouldn't help that much. No, I mean I just read this like a couple hours ago, uh, but it didn't really make any sense. I mean, I guess the soul is in the old prophet singer. They are in the soul. Binary is able to use her powers to reconnect with the baby Akanti, uh, reconnecting their souls, and uh, something happens to everything that's in the soul i.e. the X-Men are reverted back to X-Men, and the queen turns into like a big crystal statue. So I don't know if the soul judged them all and judged them to be innocent and therefore cast away the brood. Uh, Because to me, like the brood inside the X-Men should have just turned into big crystals killing the X-Men. Well, what's even (laughs) weirder is that wouldn't, if the, if the, Soul had already judged Kitty and let her pass through. Oh yeah. Why didn't he kill the brood that was in her? Question. You're right. That is a really I have no idea this this whole soul thing or plot device as I like to call it didn't make any <laughs> sense to me. So anyway, yeah, that's what happens. All the crystals that they were they were in are now just the all the 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 crystal caverns are gone. Now it's just a crystal brood queen. So this next page, there's tremors coming um, from when she unleashed. And there's an ad for the dark stuff. <laughs> there is, um, which is a great poster, by the way. Uh, but I wanted to point out Nightcrawler's size on this panel. He looks really, really, really small. Well, he's crouching. And who's the I guy? Feel short. Who's the guy behind him? Oh, it's Cyclops. Without his, he's that's uh, apparently the soul enabled him to not be blasting stuff and have blonde hair. Yeah, that is probably just, well, is it blonde? No, I think it's brown. It's just a kind of a, there's not much of it, and there's a lot going on around it. So, yeah, it's brown. Well, they're not going to stick around to find out uh, what's going on because uh, Binary is going to have Corsair teleport them back. But Kitty's like, my dragon, she thinks to herself. I wanted to find him to make sure he was okay to thank him. 
Now I won't even have a chance to say goodbye. So they're beamed up. They're beamed off the planet, and the planet blows up. Kapow! Why does it blow up? I don't know. The soul. Sometime later in the Starjammer's medical bay, Wolverine's getting repaired, and he's not enjoying it. (laughs) Sikorsky's being all Yoda. Physician yours I am cursed to be. If not you, my orders obey. Then responsibility I deny your health, the state of four. What? <laughs> you That's... really should be in bed, my friend. That was touch and go for a while. You very nearly didn't survive. Because we don't know the limit of your power yet. <laughs> I'll take my chances, Elf. It's the best that it's the best I can do, and I'm the best at what I do. There's a Wolverine. whole there's a whole page of blah 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 ing, and then Storm shows up. None of this is important. Storm shows up and everyone's like, Hey, Aurora, you're alive and you're real, and that's awesome. How did that happen? Well, the soul of the prophet singer restored me as easily as he restored you because we wanted to not really have any consequences in this comic. So I'm back. One word, soul. <laughs> like I said, plot device at the beginning. Like, everything will be I'm solved. Oh, soul. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Everything will be solved by plot device. Well, hey, everybody, it's great news. Like, everything's solved, and it's time to celebrate and have some drinks and just let loose and maybe throw the keys in a fishbowl. I don't know. I'm just saying. I hate to spoil things, people, but it ain't over yet. What do you mean, Logan? Uh, sure, of some brood. You- some some of the brood escaped, but without the queen, they're no threat. Before she died, the queen boasted about another royal embryo. This was off panel. One that directly threatened the earth itself. I figure there's only one person who could be hosting it. Well, probably anybody on earth. Because <laughs> the brood were on earth. Want. Let's just say Charles Xavier. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Concluded in 30 days as the X-Men meet... The new mutants in the Goldilocks syndrome. Who? The what? Goldilocks. Sy- oh, I mean the new mutants. <laughs> but where? Spoilers for our listeners because we're not going to resolve that story next week. No way. We're going to draw this thing out as long as possible. Why not? Chris Claremont would. <laughs> exactly. Yes, uh, we'll be reading some New Mutants to get us caught up on that whole thread. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And then in two weeks, we'll conclude the story. Or two episodes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So there you go. Um, Not my favorite issue. It wasn't bad. It was just too long. They shouldn't have made it a double-sized issue. And maybe not made it so hippy-dippy. I don't, I feel like Chris Claremont like wrote himself into a corner and he's like, how do I get the X-Men out of being brood? I know, soul. Oh, okay. (laughs) One word, (laughs) soul-tastic. Everyone's like, yeah, 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 that'll work. Write it up. You're a genius. (laughs) Thanks, Chris. No problem, Chris. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes I amaze me. We got a letter from Daniel Friedman who answers a question from Danger Room number 32. And I have been 
thinking about this question since then. Have you? No. <laughs> Honestly, I, oh, I re, I remember. Oh, okay. So he gives, What was that? Like three years ago? This is a long time ago. Uh, and this is uh, he, so he's he's behind in the podcast, but he's rapidly catch. He's binge listening, which is which is pretty funny. Which is a a great way to listen to any podcast. Uh, and he's talking about the title of a book that Bernard was remembering. Astute listeners will remember him as the beatnik uh, from older X-Men who was reading some poetry that included a line, happiness is a warm puppet. We were wondering if that had anything to do with happiness is a warm gun, but he points out that all of the happiness is a warm whatever is a reference to the Charles M. Schultz peanut collection, Happiness is a Warm Puppy which was an enormous hit at the time, which is interesting because I actually, as a kid, I used to check out Happiness is a Warm Puppy from the library like a lot because it was a huge treasury, if I'm not mistaken, of Peanuts cartoons. I, I believe I also uh, am familiar with that volume. And I, I as, as, as you did, I completely forgot about it. <laughs> so there we go. He also wanted to share with us uh, and, and the point of the drink may have been missed, but we'll go through it here. Uh, a drink that he made, uh, or has not made actually, but has recommending called My Deadly Eyes. So what he says is three parts uh, wine cooler, or better yet, Zima, if you can find it. I'm not sure if they make that anymore. One part the driest gin you can find. You mix and pour into a ruby quartz highball glass, or a pirate's boot is acceptable. Add two maraschino cherries. I think you will find this concoction awful and hard to take, much like the man it is named after. Enjoy. So I just wanted to say that, like, we, we do encourage the drink recipes, but we would like them to, I mean, we'd like to try them. And now we're not going to try this one. Yeah, the object is not to make the most disgusting drink. <laughs> uh, but I mean, we certainly uh, uh, appreciate the attempt here. And he also goes on to say that futzer may have been slang in the 1920s or 30s to actually mean the F word. Uh, he was unable to confirm that, uh, but that might explain why Wolverine has only ever said it once. So there you go. I, I like all of this information. This is a very informative letter. He also, uh, and I, we're going to share this too, because uh, I read some of these and I thought they were pretty funny. He uh, noticed that we talk about G.I. Joe, uh, which we do. Uh, and he has made a few comic strips based on the cartoon. If you'd like to check them out, uh, you can do that at flushfido.com, F-L-U-S-H-F-I-D-O dot com forward slash half dash the dash battle. Um, and it, I, I read, uh, I probably read 10 or 15 of them and, um, I, for what he's doing, they, they are, they're, uh, actually pretty funny and I certainly appreciate that sort of. Um, creative outlet. So hey, I read the one that you sent me and it was pretty funny. Yes, Duke's Beard. That was also my favorite one as well. Yes. <laughs> so there you go. Look for the Duke's Beard I cartoon. I got a lot of that yes. one. But I kept going actually and he he runs off this this whole like a uh, beard club thing that because I mean I don't know the, the nuanced things about G.I. Joe's, right? Some of them had mustaches, some of them had beards and if you were super elite you had a beard and a mustache and that was like your trademark. <laughs> Yeah, anyways. Uh, so check that out. Um, I think that's uh, just about all we got this week for communication. Am I right about that, Adam? 
It is. Uh, I do want to say one thing. Um, I talked to a friend of mine who owns a couple bars. And um, if you guys out there want to put together some serious X drinks, like stuff that you think people will actually buy, you know, kind of like probably probably something with uh, that has kind of a fruity taste to it, something uh, a little sweeter and and tasty, then I can, uh, through my friend, get it on an actual menu. And, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be like a summertime special, but I can take a photo of that and put it on the Facebook or something. And you can say, I created that drink and that's kind of cool, right? Holy crap. If I heard that correct, one of our listeners could participate in the creation of a drink that actually exists on a summertime menu at a bar in Buffalo, New York. Is that what I just heard, Adam? That's what you heard. That is quite a prize that I could... I could A, I could just see the picture and be like, oh, hey, I made that. Or B, I could go to Buffalo. I could be like, give me my drink. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I might. I, I, I don't know if I could get you a free one or not. I probably could, but I don't want to say that I could. So I'll buy you one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to add that to the contest that if you create the drink, you send it in, the bar accepts it, puts it on the menu, and you fly out to Buffalo, Adam will take you to that bar and buy you one of those drinks. No problem. <laughs> so look, look, it, it can happen, right? Miracles can happen. So if you'd like to get, <laughs> if you'd like to get a hold of us, uh, or send us one of those summertime drink recipes that are X influenced, you can do so by emailing us at dangerroom at redcapproductions.com, visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash dangerroompodcast, or you can follow us at dangerroomgo. We're available out there on Stitcher, and uh, you can call us at 501-GET-X-MEN. Boy, there's just so many ways you could get a hold of us. You could go to iTunes and search for us, Danger Room, and we'll be the first podcast that came up. You can subscribe, leave a five-star rating, uh, you know, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. So with that out of the way, um, Adam, I read uh, I read Dazzler. Um I read Dazzler number 24 to be specific. I read this one too. I didn't so much read it as skim it, to be quite honest. That's fine. If you miss anything important, which um, there wasn't a whole lot important, uh, I'll bring it up. (laughs) Basically, uh, Rogue uh, is going against Mystique's orders from last issue to leave Dazzler alone. She's of no concern. But Rogue figures that Dazzler is the key to getting the angel which is how they can get to the X-Men. And Rogue kind of wants to prove to Mystique that uh, that uh, she can handle... Uh, she wants to prove to Mystique that she's right about this connection. So she tracks down Dazzler's apartment. She barges in. Dazzler's not there, so she trashes the place. She's about to leave when she's like, well, actually, maybe instead of leaving, I'll just kind of hang out and I'll wait for her to come home. Yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. So she crams the door. I love walnuts, she says. She crams the door back on the wall and she sits there. And yeah, she she starts to eat Dazzler's walnuts. And she smashes them with her bare hands. Crack. Uh, Dazzler comes home and a dude, uh, apparently a neighbor or something, comes running up behind her. Is like, hey, there's a crazy lady who went to your apartment and trashed it. And she's still hanging out there. And Dazzler's like, oh, does she have red hair and a white stripe? And he's like, yeah. He's like, oh, Rogue, oh, my God, it's happening. I can't believe it. I better go find Luke Cage and and that other guy, the ninja. 
the hell's his name again? Power Man Iron and Iron Fist. Fist. Thank you. So she <laughs> runs to the phone. She calls her heroes for hire who are just hanging out talking about that Dazzler case. Uh, and so they 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 head out to go talk to Dazzler. Dazzler's like, you. exactly. They don't have a car or anything. They're just running around downtown New York. Yeah, they run everywhere, remember? <laughs> Come on, Fist. Soon as we save up enough money, we're going to buy our own car. Wait, I did that wrong. Hurry up, Fist. You got to do it. Hurry up, Fist. We got to go buy a car. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> I'm tired of running around. I can't do it. I can't do my Luke Cage. Anyways, they get uh, to Dazzler's apartment, and Dazzler's like, yep, she's upstairs. So they run upstairs. Uh, Iron F- Fist kicks in the door, and Rogue's like, who are you? I don't care. And they fight, and they fight, and they fight. You'd think that this fight would go a lot quicker because, I mean, Rogue, if you think about it, is basically a, a female Superman, right? She's nearly invulnerable. She can fly. and She's got super strength. Well, yeah. I mean, she's a female Miss Marvel. <laughs> well, yeah. But, I mean, effectively, she's like Superman. Well, Miss Marvel isn't wasn't really of the power level of Superman, though. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, I, I, I see where you're going, but I'm being nitpicky. Yeah, all right. Well, so she she uh, ultimately she's able to beat the crap uh, out of the heroes for hire, sending Luke Cage out of a window. Um, and that's oh no, <laughs> I landed in a garbage can. Dazzler's like, oh my god, Luke! And so she runs in. Now it's time for her to spring into action. She turns her radio on, gets her roller skates on. She. Dazzle flashes her way into her apartment um, just as Rogue is leaving. But it's really weird because it's like Dazzler enters the room as Rogue is leaving the room. So both of their bodies are physically in the room, but apparently Rogue can't hear (laughs) or see. So she flies away and she goes, uh, Dazzler goes to check on Iron Fist. And we can still see in the background Rogue is just, she's just like 10 feet outside of the building, just kind of like floating away. <laughs> Doesn't bother to turn around and see Dazzler sitting there over uh, Iron Fist's unconscious body. We uh, flash over to a pinned up note that says uh, 3 p.m. Tuesday, Durbach Dorm, State University. So Rogue is heading off there. She's going to give it a couple of days. Uh, well, she's gonna wait till Tuesday, and then she's gonna she's gonna make her move. So, meanwhile, Dazzler does her normal day to day stuff, kind of incognito. Blah blah blah. She has some dates, and she picks up another man. But who cares? We go over to a gymnasium where a guy in a hat and sunglasses uh, is paying off a guy to use a gymnasium, and we find out that it's Angel, and he spreads his wings and he's flying around the gymnasium. Which I find extremely lame because, like, he says, I can't risk the sisterhood seeing me fly around outside. They're out to get me, and until I figure out what to do about it, I've got to lay low. I suppose I could travel somewhere else. <laughs> I could go to a different country. <laughs> um, hmm. I don't know. I got friends. I could call Iceman. I could call Beast. Uh, I used to actually be a hero, so I could probably just try to take these people on myself. But no, yeah. not gonna. This well, is a lame angel. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Iron Fist and Power Man, they also saw that note. Or no, actually, they didn't see that note, but they uh, have their privy to Dazzler's day-to-day agenda. And they know that today, Tuesday, is the day that Dazzler's going to go visit her half-sister. So they're like, 
let's go there. So I guess they run <laughs> to the university. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get a car fist. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Dazzler, on the other hand, she takes a cab. She's like, oh, it cost me a fortune to get here. Uh, so she is in her disguise, but there's another woman who's also there in disguise who's like, there she is. Well, 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 there she is, and she didn't even notice me in my preppy duds. It's Rogue, and she's dressed up like a schoolgirl, kind of. Um, Dazzler enters the apartment of her half-sister to see her passed out on the floor. But it's not because Dazzler attacked her. It's because she has been having fainting spells recently. And she's wondering if she is a mutant like Dazzler. Dazzler's like, no, not like me. You're probably just anemic. You're probably just a sick person. <laughs> Dazzler, a rogue, then kicks down the door and she's like, surprise, suckers. It's time to go to business. And uh, yikes, says the door. <laughs> she uses the yikes blaster and rather than like come in swinging she just stands there she's like Dazzler tell me where the angel is and I'll just rough you up a little Dazzler's like I don't know so Rogue hits her and causes Dazzler to go flying across the room uh, she does a little somersaulty thing and Dazzler's like you can kill me but I don't know where where uh, angel is so Rogue picks her up and she's about to knock her block off when she's like, Oh, maybe maybe this is the wrong gal. After all, Dazzler may not spill, but if I threaten her poor little sister. So she grabs her sister, slaps her up a little bit, throws her across the room, and that's when Dazzler loses her crap. <laughs> and she jumps out the window. So she's got her roller skates on. And Rogue notices that something falls out of Dazzler's purse. She's like, it looks like a radio. Maybe it's some sort of weapon. Well, I better take it uh, and figure out what it is later. And so Dazzler's running through the library. And she's like, oh, figures. I go to the quietest place in the university. I need to pick up some sound so I can charge up and get my powers. So she's running around. Uh, and she goes for her radio, which is supposed to be in her purse, but it's not there. She's like, what am I going to do? And then she goes into the record listening room, which is a great idea, except that everybody's listening to the music with headphones. But then she gets the bright idea to unplug the headphones and then plug some cable, we don't know what, into the public address system and turn the volume on high. And that's when she absorbs all of the musical sounds of the blasting PA. And now she's got some power to fight Rogue. So they fight. They blast. Kind of a neat panel. The musical panel is actually is kind inside of Inside musical notes. Yeah, that, that is kind of it's, a It's cool. Yeah. So they fight. Dazzler blasts. Rogue dodges. They blah, blah, blah to one another. Rogue eventually touches Dazzler and starts absorbing her powers. Um, but she must get interrupted because Dazzler doesn't quite faint like we're used to seeing when people get their powers absorbed by Dazzler. But it's because they get interrupted by Iron Man and Power Fist who start kicking her back and forth and beating her up. Uh, and it looks like Rogue is on the ropes because Iron Man and Power Fist are essentially playing tennis with her when Dazzler gets up and says, Stop! I've got to try and reason with her! Iron Man and Power Fist are like, Are you sure about this? And Rogue's like, they could have trashed me, maybe even killed me, but you didn't let them. And Dazzler's like, that's because you didn't give me a chance to tell you that. 
Angel told me that the X-Men are dead. Dead? Dead! In space, a zillion miles away, the angel told me that someone else did your dirty work for you. Now you should leave Angel and me alone. Rogue thinks to herself, oh, maybe Mystique was right. Maybe this wasn't the right time. Huh, weird. So she, (laughs) Rogue uses her residual dazzler powers to dazzle blast everybody and fly out of the ceiling of the library and she leaves. I guess Iron Man and Power Fist get their money. Dazzler's sister's kind of sad and she's like, I thought I was going to be a mutant. And Dazzler's like, no, just take some vitamins. But something else is going on for Lois London, Dazzler's sister. She also had this weird thing where she was all like, I kind of think Rogue's cool. Oh, that's right. I like Rogue more than Dazzler. I hope she wins. It did get kind of like that. And I thought they were going to follow that up because then all of a sudden Dazzler loses her crap and starts fighting back. And I thought her sister would be like, oh, I do respect my sister after all. But she doesn't. Yeah. Whew. So there you go. That was That was Dazzler. Dazzle me interested. <laughs> What'd you read, Adam? Uh, I read The Defenders number 116, which was another fill-in issue for The Defenders. Essentially, uh, Doctor Strange and the Overmind watch. Uh, they're, 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 uh, I don't know. These issues are weird. Um, the The Defenders pair off into a bunch of lovers. So it's Beast and Vera and... Um, Namor and Valkyrie and Hellfire and, or Hellcat and Fire Guy. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, Dr. Strange is kind of like mystically watching them, trying to figure out what the meaning of love is and whether or not he should try it again. And I don't know, it's a silly issue. But um, it's kind of interesting that uh, Beast and Vera are kind of on the rope uh, on the ropes in this issue. She's fed up with him always running off and being silly and uh, always on adventures, and they never get to spend any time. And she uh, she starts to cry, and he gives her a hug, and he says he kind of goes back and tells us in the X Men days it was the intellectual game that was the Hank McCoy you first met. The guy who hid behind a smokescreen of big words and big ideas. But inside, I was the same scared kid I always was. I thought I was beginning to find myself when I left Professor Xavier's school and went out on my own. But then I was accidentally turned into this overgrown muppet. So he kind of recaps himself. Um, She says, I can help you find out who you are, Hank, if you let me. He is silent, and she takes his silent for assent. But in truth, it is the silence of uncertainty and fear. So Beast doesn't really know, know what he wants. Huh. Interesting. Hmm. Um, Namor and Valkyrie make out. And then Namor is like, I don't really want to make out with you because I miss uh, Lady Dorma or whatever fish woman I was into a while back. And um, and then we see Hellfire Guy and Hellcat have a conversation and he bursts out of the room. But where Doctor Strange and Overmind really find true love is when Hellfire, her Hellcat's maid and Gargoyle are two really old people who connect in a really old lovey-dovey sort of way and just kind of respect each other. And so Doctor Doom goes back to the Defenders and puts some fireworks in the sky and says, yay, I really like love. <laughs> mm. That's it. Wow. 
I'm waiting for their defenders to get back to like an actual storyline. But uh, I kind of like these fillers more than the storylines because they're less confusing. It sounds like they're between writers or something. Oh, I haven't even been paying attention to who the writers are. It's possible. So um, I wanted to just address one thing, Adam. Okay. On the Facebook page, it was revealed. Well, it was revealed elsewhere, but we revealed the a member of the X-Men was gay. You did, actually. Mm-hmm. I didn't. And that, that member was Iceman. And you posted something on there that says, called it. But then we got some <laughs> feedback saying, like, I thought you guys said Beast was gay. And I just wanted to lay it out for the record that while I, we always made that we always made Beast kind of like the more aggressive gay mutant, he was part of the gay duo of Beast and Iceman. It was always Beast trying to get Iceman to try new things. And really, Iceman was never into the women, nor was Beast. So I just want to call that. I want to say that you are right. We did call that Iceman was gay, even though I, I, we put most of the gayness onto Beast. He just hasn't come out of the closet yet. I'm going to say that we probably called that they were all gay at some point. <laughs> I don't think we've ever said Cyclops or Angel was gay. Oh, I, I bet we have. <laughs> <laughs> um, As an offhanded sort of randomness. It's interesting that both Beast and now uh, now Iceman have come out as it were, in the pages of X-Men comics. Um, Beast, of Beast. course, was pretending to be gay. Oh, was he? I don't know if, I don't know if you remember that, but he came out, uh, I think, in the Grant Morrison run. Huh. I did not know that. But then it turned out that he was, they, they changed their mind on that one. Oh. Too soon, everybody Some... thought. Too soon. World's not ready for a gay beast. <laughs> right. So I, I just find that interesting because I don't I really don't pay too much attention to like the new incarnations or new generations of the X-Men. But uh, so I saw that and that's whatever that that is what it is. I read the little you linked to something that showed the panels and they were very modern and you know interesting to read you know, and and what not. But I recall in the last kind of big batch of new X-Men that I read, there was a story in which North Star was gay and he's like hey Iceman you want to hang out you want some North Star and Iceman's like no I ain't gay <laughs> so that's well that, that's that's latter day Iceman who apparently is not gay but young Iceman apparently is gay I don't know how that works but whatever well, maybe older Iceman is repressed and if you think about it with, with, re- with all these long that He's just not gay anymore? Well, no. The only reason that he was outed was because Jean Grey's uh, inert psychic ability was triggered when she went forward in time, thus allowing her to read his mind at a particularly vulnerable age in order to reveal that he was gay. Through years and years of practice and convincing himself that something was wrong with him, he's been able to shunt down those, those gay thoughts so any telepaths around wouldn't be able to pick that up inadvertently. But when he was younger, Bobby, when Gene would have had the ability to, but didn't because Professor Xavier repressed those abilities, that's when he was primed to be outed. I think it all works. Trust me. <laughs> okay. I've given this a lot of thought. <clears throat> uh, in any event, do you have anything else to add to that, Adam? <laughs> uh, no. No, I don't. Um, I, 
I, I'm I, I'm all for anybody being gay. <laughs> More gayness, everybody. More gay. <laughs> Uh, until next time, the danger room is closed. Clap your hands, 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 clap your hands. Welcome, lads and genteels, to the danger room, the X Men comics commentary podcast. My name's Adam, uh, and my name is Jeremy. You with me there, Jeremy? Uh, well, you kind of threw me when you said that this was a podcast, but I'm I'm back now. <laughs> this is our very first pod pad podcast. Mmm, <laughs> yummy. We'll also be we'll also be the first time we are saying by the white wolf. <laughs> um, we are here to discuss uh, number one hundred and sixty-six of X Men, the January, no, the February nineteen eighty-three. Oh, jeez. Can we start over? Yes, please. <laughs> oh, boy. Try not to say podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, Adam. Okay.